filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, filibuster freestyle. It's your buddy Gavin. It has been a while, about two weeks since I put up our last uh, podcast with our buddy Carl Ray, uh, talking about some Stone Temple pilots, amongst other things. We also talked to our, our buddy Dan O'Brien at the time, and the filib- uh, not filibuster, excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles were in the process of winning a game a few weeks ago. They've kept winning. They're now, I think, 10-1 going for 11-1 tonight against the Seahawks. Maybe more on that later. But uh, good to be back. I actually had a birthday in the interim. So um, shout out to everybody who came out for the old birthday celebration with the Freestyle crew uh, in Boston um, back a couple weeks ago, Friday after Thanksgiving. Anyway, places listening. I just want to give, well, give props, obviously, to our friends in the U.S. A, the U.S. of A., uh, you guys usually listen the most, and that's awesome. But four or five nations in particular have really stepped up their game over the last month or so. Australia, the Philippines, the United Kingdom, mainly in the form of England, Germany, and Saudi Arabia. Five fairly different places. I mean, obviously Australia and England have similarities, but they're very far away from each other. England and Germany have some similarities in that they're very close to each other. But You know, you look at Australia, the Philippines, England, Germany, and Saudi Arabia, and then, of course, the U.S., and those are like your top six countries listening. And that just shows you the power of the internet, filibusterfreestyle.com, our SoundCloud page on uh, Filibuster Freestyle, our iTunes page for the Filibuster Freestyle. I digress. Anyway, coming up in a bit, Andy Maslin, our buddy, is going to hit me up with a rant of the week. I don't know what it is. Probably going to be great. Um, in the interim, I want to do something I've been putting off for a while, which is um, I went to four Guns N' Roses shows in the year 2017, and it didn't necessarily um, start off as something I was going to try to do, but I saw four shows in three different countries on two different continents, and I got to and from those shows really through like four different modes of transportation. So I kind of feel like it's worth sharing a little bit. And so for uh, three of these shows, I was with my buddy Bob Sullivan. And for one, I was with Cindy Harrington. Now, two of the first two I went to were in Europe. So Sully and I made a plan. We were going to go to Europe and use Guns N' Roses being there in the summer of 17 on the European tour. We were going to use that as like our excuse to bookend two concerts, and then see a bunch of Europe in the middle. And we did that. So we went to Prague, the Czech Republic, saw Guns N' Roses there. I'll get back to that in a minute. Took a train from Prague to Munich, took a train from Munich to Frankfurt, and also in Germany. Um, Munich obviously is too. Um, Then took a train to Brussels, then took a train to Amsterdam, and then actually wound up taking a train to a little city called Nijmegen, which is in the eastern Netherlands on the German border. Get into all that. But it was a great excuse to see a bunch of Europe and, like I said, to bookend Guns N' Roses twice. So I want to take you back to Prague. First of all, go to Prague. It's fantastic. I could do a whole podcast on Prague. Tonight's not the night. But I just want to tell you a little bit about how we got to the show. So the show was in this this giant, giant, giant field that was next to what I believe is the largest cabbage patch 
on Earth. Now, that's complete fabrication, but I haven't seen a lot of Cabbage Patches in my day, but this concert was in a giant field, kind of probably like you know what Woodstock was back in the day, and then it was just on some giant farm, right? So they brought in the trucks and the stage and the merchandise and the lights and the sound towers and all that, and you've got what was probably like 80,000 people or so, easy 50,000 people, in a giant field in Prague. And so Prague is numbered. So downtown, like old city Prague is called Prague 1 or Praha 1, right? So Praha 1 is there, Praha 2 is across the river, and as you get further out from the center of the city, before you get to the next town, it's like Praha 7, 8, 9, 10. So this show is way out in Praha 10, like I said, next to a giant cabbage patch field. So take a sip of water real quick. That's a long preamble. Okay, tasty water. Anyway, how are we going to get there? We decide, first of all, when Bob and I, Sally and I got to the airport, we realized that they have Uber and they have what we know in America as Uber X, but they don't call it Uber X in the Czech Republic. They call it Uber Pop. Uber Pop's a great name for a thing, period. End of story. So our Uber Pop driver took us to Guns N' Roses. Now, when he picked us up, uh, it was myself, Sully, and his friend, um, Kara, and we were coming out of an Irish pub because, of course, you go to an Irish pub when you're pre-gaming for Guns N' Roses in the Czech Republic. makes all the sense in the world. And he just assumed we, we were Americans, so we must be going to the airport. And so he's like, oh, which terminal? And I said, terminal we're going to guns and roses and he said guns and roses is here that's amazing i said yeah it's totally amazing so he knew how to get there he was super pumped to drop us off he actually had to take back roads to get us there really excited we had a guy who was so knowledgeable about getting us around traffic into the giant cabbage patch field to watch some gnr um on the way back we had to find a cab that was kind of lurking like a half mile away from the venue and he tried to do the old swindle where he tells you how much money it's going to cost to get down to Praha 1. But then when you try to give him like, I don't know, well, the equivalent of say like $35, but it only costs like $25, he's like, well, I don't have any change. So then he's trying to get you to basically just give him the 35 bucks. Uh, two things. One, it wasn't 35 bucks because in the Czech Republic they use crowns or kronas. And everything is crazy. Like a nice dinner is 1300 krona. But that is like $27. So it's kind of weird to get used to. But anyway, uh, really enjoyed the Uber pop driver on the way there. Did not enjoy the Prague cab driver trying to swindle us on the way back. Okay. I'll get into the shows in a bit. But when we went to Amsterdam and then took a train out to this little city called Nijmegen, first of all, everybody in Amsterdam rides bicycles. Everybody in Holland rides bicycles. And when I say everybody, I mean... You know, the main mode of transportation in Amsterdam, their largest city, is bicycle. And the ability of these folks to ride bikes amidst each other, amidst streetcars, amidst trolleys, amidst pedestrians, amidst all these canals, fantastic to watch. Didn't dare ride a bike when I was in Amsterdam. But when we were in Nijmegen, it's a lot more – I'm getting the right, by the way. Bob calls it Nijmegen, which is not exactly how they pronounce it. I do like nice midgen though. I think that's kind of funny. Um, but the woman, the woman who she and her husband were our Airbnb hosts, she said, well, we have two bikes. If you, if you want to use my, our bikes to get to the concert, feel free. Now, this concert in, in the Netherlands was in a place called Gofert Park. And this probably, again, was like a 50,000-person deal in a park. 
And so again, Guns N' Roses just busses in all their stuff, truck it all in, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure Axel and Slash land on a helicopter or something. So we're like, well, how far is it? And she's like, oh, it's only like five kilometers. So it's, that's three miles. It's not a bad bike ride, um, at least when it's light out. And in Europe, in the summer, it's light out to like 1030 at night, easy. So we decided to go. We went there. The coolest thing was we rode bikes to the concert, and so did probably 25,000 of the people who went to the show. So we had to lock our bikes up on like some fence and remember where they were and what they looked like, despite the fact that 25,000 of our closest friends also rode their bikes. Um, and then another 25,000 people were at the show too. So that was pretty interesting. But what else was interesting is we pulled up to a little, uh, what I think by day usually is a macaroon shop, but they were basically having a bicycle tailgate for Guns N' Roses. So you had all these GNR fans uh, out in front of this macaroon shop, but the guy was cooking hamburgers on the grill and all these Guns N' Roses fans have rode their bikes there. We're all having these great hamburgers and some great local beer. And after the concert, we went back there and had like a dance party with some locals. It was a lot of fun. Never rode a bicycle to a concert before. Fantastic. One of the weirder things was at like 1.30 in the morning, we were trying to ride our bikes back out of Nijmegen, excuse me, to the little village called Beek where we were staying. And Beek is like literally on the German border. Um, Riding in pitch black with like two little flashlights, um, definitely a weird way to get home from a concert. Third concert, Cindy Harrington and I left here in Charlotte. We drove my car up to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We left it uh, in downtown Winston-Salem and decided we were going to walk to the show because we thought it was like a mile closer than it was. We probably walked like three miles to the show. Great show. The ability, it was at the Wake Forest University football stadium. Only problem was trying to get out of the Wake Forest University football stadium with no car amidst all these other people. I mean, that's an Uber driver's nightmare. So Cindy and I actually wound up walking another three miles back down some giant hill in Winston-Salem to the car. So on foot, essentially. So now you got Uber pop, you got bicycles, and you've got on foot. Finally, it brings me to Nashville. So Sully's going to be in Nashville for work. I wound up getting sent to Nashville for work. Works out great. Bought tickets right on Broadway. Went to see it at the Bridgestone Tire Arena, which is like the NHL Nashville Predators Arena. So now we're talking like a 19,000-person venue versus, say, 50,000, which the Wake Forest show was probably easy, 40,000. Again, Prague, I think, was like 60,000, 70,000, or 80,000. It's just people everywhere. And I feel like the, the, the Netherlands show was at least 50,000, 60,000. So small show, closest we got to the band, et cetera, et cetera. Super neat. Super neat. Um, and the best part about Nashville was that I stayed at a hotel that was probably three blocks from the arena. So, yes, I walked like Cindy and I walked when we were in Winston-Salem. But I walked like a reasonable human being distance. And we got to, we got to hang out on Broadway in Nashville pre- and post-show. Easily the best logistically way to do it. But I'm not going to lie. I would never trade the Prague Uber pop driver. And I would never trade uh, – riding bikes in the dark home from the show in the Netherlands. So that gives you a little bit of that. I am here to tell you guys on the filibuster freestyle that uh, Guns N' Roses essentially does the same set no matter where they are. I was talking to our friend Bill Toast of Axis Mooney Records recently, and, you know, we both were just – we weren't lamenting, but we were saying, you know, they they just – they keep playing the same show, and it's a phenomenal show, but they keep playing the same show. But what I decided to do is break down a couple of the little places where they tweak the songs they play. 
Well, first of all, GNR is playing like at minimum 28, 29 songs a night most nights. I got to give major props for that. They're usually playing into their 30s, which is, which is amazing too. So um, what I will say is they start off with basically the same 10 songs. They go, It's So Easy, Mr. Brownstone, Chinese Democracy, Welcome to the Jungle, Double Talk and Jive, Better, which is also from Chinese Democracy, Estranged, Live and Let Die, Rocket Queen, You Could Be Mine. Murder is Row right there for the most part. At, uh, at song 11, in Winston-Salem and in Nijmegen, it was Duff McKagan singing a song called New Rose, which is a cover. And then in Prague and Nashville, it was Duff McKagan doing a Misfits cover called Attitude. So that's what they fit in Duff doing his thing. Um, song 13, I noticed that it has a lot of uh, they'd shift it up a little bit. They do Civil War a lot. Um, but in Nashville, they did a song off a Chinese democracy in the Nashville show is most recently called prostitute, which I don't know, but this was a time when they broke in a, yet another Chinese democracy song. It's almost like G and R is trying to, now that they're popular again, try to like retroactively cash in on that record from 2008, which was the record that took pretty much nine or 10 years to make was an incredibly expensive, if not the most expensive at the time record ever made in terms of production costs, time spent, sunk cost value, etc. But anyway, I did notice that they added a new song in Nashville from Chinese Democracy with the name Prostitute, which is what it is. And if you're listening with your children, my bad for bringing up that, that name. But you know what? It's the name of the song. That's all I'm saying. Um, when we were in the Netherlands, what was super cool was that Axel had just come off singing the end of the ACDC tour. So Brian Johnson had to quit the band abruptly uh, due to hearing loss, and ACDC hired Axel to finish the tour off. So Angus Young, the legend from ACDC, came out and played two songs in a row with GNR. And by the way, people in Europe, and especially in Germany and the Netherlands, love ACDC. So the place lost its mind. They did a whole lot of Rosie and then an old timer called Riff Raff. Really cool to see them do something different and to have a guest star up there, Angus Young. Okay. A lot of other stuff that's there, just so you all know, in case you get a chance to see it. They do Civil War. They do Yesterdays. They do Coma. They do actually uh, Slash as a solo that goes into the Godfather theme from the movie The Godfather. Sweet Child of Mine, My Michelle. They do a cover, I Wish You Were Here, usually by Pink Floyd. You get November Rain. They do a cover of Black Hole Sun. Knocking on Heaven's Door, Night Train, Don't Cry a Lot, and or Patience, Paradise City is usually their closer. I'll get to a couple others, but a couple other differences that I enjoyed. So in Europe, Guns N' Roses played what I believe was the only song, well, Patience is from GNR Lies, from 1988's GNR Lies. The rest of the songs in that record are either not very popular or fairly offensive. Um, and there's a song called Used to Love Her, and I think everybody who knows Guns N' Roses knows how you finish that line. Um, but they played it in Prague and they played it in the Netherlands. Um, they did not play used to love her in the States. They didn't play them in Nashville. They didn't play them in Winston-Salem. And frankly, when I went last year in Phoenix in 2016, they also did not play used to love her. Cool to see them do that live. Okay. Uh, in the Netherlands as well, they did out to get me, which is like if appetite for destruction is essentially a front to back gold mine of hits out to Get Me is phenomenal, but I don't think it was ever a radio single. It's just a great song. They never play it. It was super cool to hear them play it. Uh, a couple other things. In Nashville, they played a cover of a song called Wichita Lineman 
by Jimmy Webb, clearly an homage to being in the country music capital of the world. And if, well, well, yeah, the world, because honestly, country music definitely originated here in the States. Uh, a couple other songs they, they squeezed in. There's a song called Sorry that Guns N' Roses was able to sneak in in Nijmegen. Um, they did play Patience. They did not play Don't Cry. Uh, I got Don't Cry in um, Winston-Salem, but no Patience. I got Patience in the Netherlands, but no Don't Cry. Netherlands, they did do 32 songs, though, ending on Paradise City. That's the most songs they did that I saw. Um, they played Don't Cry when I was in Prague, and they played 31 songs ending with Paradise City. Now, what I liked the most about the Nashville show was I got, at song 28, Patience. At song 29, Don't Cry. They gave us the double whammy. Because typically they play one of those songs or the other. Number 30 was a song called Madagascar. So now, in addition to that, that, that other song I mentioned earlier from Chinese Democracy, they're now working in Madagascar. So now, if you're, if you're keeping score at home, they're doing Madagascar, a prostitute. Uh, Sorry, I believe, is also from Chinese Democracy. They're doing the song Chinese Democracy. They're doing better, and they're doing This I Love. They're doing like six or seven songs now off of their least popular record. Takes pure cojones to do that, but I'll tell you what, if you're gonna do 32 songs and at the end you're gonna hit me with some Paradise City and some fireworks and confetti, guess what? I'm in. All right, that's all I got on GNR. Worthwhile show. Um, going to Europe was super cool. Uh, it was super cool to have a reason to work our way through Europe by train. I'd highly recommend that, regardless of whether you wanna go see Guns N' Roses or anybody else. Uh, Prague's, Prague's fantastic. Munich's great, but I would recommend going during, October, going during Oktoberfest versus going in July when we went. Frankfurt was super underrated. Brussels, wish we had more time there. It was fantastic. And then we did have a good amount of time in Amsterdam and the Netherlands in general. And again, culturally cool, um, really interesting place. Would go there again. Uh, coming up next, Andy Maslin, filibuster freestyle. Okay, folks, as I just alluded to, Andy Maslin is joining us, and I just want to say really quickly before I bring him in, he and I recorded an epic podcast when he was riding out the hurricane, and I'll let him even comment on that, but my bad, I can't even blame the crack research team, somehow between me and my MacBook, we lost it, and it was amazing, and I just need to say, Andy, I am so sorry, because we can never replicate that gold, that comedy gold, but... You did do some epic Facebook Lives during the hurricane, which people should go on either the Filibuster Freestyle Facebook page, or they can just look for you on Facebook and watch some fantastic hurricane footage from the Jim Cantori of the uh, Filibuster Freestyle family, Andy Maslin. Hi, how are you, buddy? I'm great. I mean, it, it, I actually find it funny that you, out of the blue, you texted me today and said, can you come on and do a rant? Yes. No, no, nothing, just that was all it was. Yep. And I have one on my mind, but I may just change it to bashing you for losing that epic podcast. I mean, I would deserve it. In fact, part I mean, of I made, I made I made podcast history because I talked about Oreos, Cheetos, and I podcasted outside during a hurricane. You did all those things, and we let you down, and I'm sorry. Anyway, philbusterfreestyle.com did want you. I actually want to point something out right now. I think this is probably going to be a new segment where once a month we do Andy Maslin's rant of the month. And you're you're so excited. You you may even have two that don't even include necessarily bashing me for losing that footage. So no. let, let's just get it rolling with rant number one, and then we'll talk a little a little business, and then maybe we'll let rant number two roll here on the freestyle. Okay. 
Okay, so this cons- this rant right now is against it's against conspiracy theorists in general. Okay, and I hate I hate them, and and I'm, I have no problem questioning things. I believe in some conspiracies, but these conspiracy theorists, everything is conspiracy. You know, from nine eleven to Sandy Hook to the Vegas shooting, and at least with some of those, you can see where. Okay, if the government was involved in 9-11, it was awful for the people. But, you know, they make some – and I don't agree with them. But they make some points that can say, okay, that would benefit a large group of people that the government wanted benefited. It was an awful thing. But, hey, that, this is why they did it. This is why okay. this, this card was pushed that way. I don't agree with them, but I can see it. The one that I don't get are the flat earther conspiracy theory. Flat earth! The flat earthers. Okay. One, it can be easily proven that the Earth is round. It has been many times. No one has ever fallen off the edge of the Earth. Can you explain that one to me? Like, it's not like there are a bunch of people just ride, you know, riding their boats and all of a sudden they disappear um, because they hit the edge of the Earth. That just doesn't freaking happen. And it's been going on. I mean, I, Columbus, whatever the 500, 500 plus years ago. Blue. Right. Um, so was he in it? Was the Queen of Spain or whoever sent him on it? Were they in it? Has it been going on that long? And if it is, if it is this giant conspiracy, who does it benefit? I don't understand why we have a conspiracy that doesn't benefit anybody. Does anyone really care if the world was flat? Do you think people would really change like their their life? It'd be, okay, the world's flat. Or, okay, the world's round. It doesn't benefit or not benefit anybody the shape of our freaking planet. It is what it is. There's nothing they can change about it. It's there. If it's flat, it's flat. If it's round, it's round. Guess what? It's round. <laughs> it being flat doesn't change a goddamn thing. Can I? Can I? Just, I just thought of one really good way to kind of debunk their their theory if it held water, which it doesn't. The moon's round. The sun is round. Why on earth would the only flat thing be the Earth? It, none of them are round. It's it's the lens. Right. It's the lens. But my other point is, so, <coughs> like, why is it, say, sunset in Boston and in California, it's two in the afternoon? And then why does the next day, it's because it's round. <laughs> I mean, they have answered all these and they just sound dumber and dumber and dumber the more they talk. I just think if you look in the sky and the sun is round, by the way, kids, don't look at the sun directly. Uh, <laughs> unless it's an eclipse, unless you're the president. Um, but anyway, the moon is round. And also, it's like, I was in Denver, Colorado this morning, okay? The Denver airport, and I had no idea you were talking about this, but the Denver airport, it's literally about 30 miles east of Denver. And directly to the west of Denver are the giant Rocky Mountains. And directly to the east of the airport is nothing until you get to, like, the Appalachian Mountains. <coughs> When I take a look out the airport's front door and look to my left, which would be the east, and I can see forever, and then I look to my right and I see the mountains, and I realize that, oh, because nothing is in the way, I can see much further out into the plains. But then if I look into the sky, I can see light coming from stars that are millions of miles away. It's not the distance that you can't see Australia, folks. It's the fact that the earth is round. Like, that's the thing. Every good conspiracy, I think, needs 
someone that can benefit from the conspiracy. And no one wins. Like the flat, they're, the flat they're, earth map like This happened. They're telling us that this happened. Yeah. In reality, it was this because these people will benefit from it. Who benefits from a flat earth or a round earth? You. Right. I'll, I'll tell you who, who really didn't benefit because you mentioned Columbus and while he did discover America, there's a lot of indigenous people who got displaced because of it. But if, if, he didn't know America was there, and, and if he fell off the edge of the earth, a lot of indigenous people would be really excited. But on the flip side, as they said in um, um, old school, Columbus wasn't looking for America, but that worked out. So anyway. Yes. Um, yes, I, I, I know the exact scene, and, and that's a line along with I've mentioned on the, on the Freestyle before, that when I throw it out there and people haven't seen it or don't get it, you just kind of look dumb. Right. Kind of like, I like your moves. I like your moves, like your style from Stratsky and Hutch. Absolutely. All right. So, 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 and I will say this. Here's my biggest conundrum with this whole flat earth thing. Is that Celtic superstar Kyrie Irving is the reason that we're talking about. He's the most famous flat earther there is. And he went to Duke, albeit for like a semester. But he came out and said it was all like a con. He was just playing everybody. True. But the problem is you can't give people who already believe stupid stuff, any fodder. You, at the, unfortunately, we can no longer even joke about the earth being flat anymore in this day and age. It's like we're going backwards. Yeah, some, someday get yourself sucked down a rabbit hole of YouTube videos with flat earthers. It's fantastic. I'll tell you what, if I'm ever on a transcontinental <laughs> train ride, I'll do that. Um, so we're going to save your second rant. But can we talk a little college football for a second? We can't. We can't. Do you want me to just give you a open-ended, what did you think about what went down in Tennessee yeah, this I week? Mean, I mean, the, the, here's the thing. Um, uh, overall, I think I saw the four teams. I'm fine with the four teams. It's the college football playoff committee's job to get the best four teams, not four conference champions. That's not how it's... it's fair. No, that's totally fair. That, that's not what they've been told to go out and do. They went out and did it. The fourth team, whether it be – and even say USC in the conversation. Come on. USC stinks. Um, yes. Relative um, to the other teams. Ohio State and Alabama, teams that both had flaws. Alabama was one and, number one or number two all year. They were number one and two all year in the college football ranking. They lost last week. They were still above Ohio State. Ohio State just getting winning versus Wisconsin. It's not Alabama enough. does make them better than Alabama. Totally agree. Um, let me ask you this. So you've got Clemson versus Alabama. The last two years it's been in the title game. This year it'll be in the semifinal. You've got Georgia versus Oklahoma, two teams. Well, certainly Georgia making their first appearance in the now three- or four-year-old CFP college football playoff. Who do you hope wins it all? I would love to see Oklahoma win it all. You, uh, you find them really excited? I do. I, I, I love Baker Mayfield. Yep. Um, I, do, I, I don't want the SEC to win it. Just in general, I always root against the SEC. Okay. Um, so they're out. So um, and I, I, I just don't. Being a University of Miami fan and it has nothing to do with yesterday. I mean, Miami was outclassed by Clemson. They got beat by yeah. They got beat by a better team. Yeah. Um, but I just I've never liked Clemson. I I, I don't I, I find Davo Sweeney to be fake. Um, he went viral last year with or two years ago with, and I just told him, "Bring your own guts." Bring your own guts, Dabo. What the frick does that even mean? It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> bring your own guts. Did you want to bring someone else's guts? Yeah, I'm going to bring my Aunt Susan's guts. Yeah. So um, so I, I would like to see Oklahoma win it just by like uh, process of elimination. Absolutely. Okay. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, I'm excited by Oklahoma, and I feel like they are a wild card, and they could absolutely win in a shootout against any of these teams. Um, for some reason, I don't like the Georgia – like Kirby Smart's their coach, correct? Yes. I'm not a fan of Kirby Smart. I actually feel like he looks way too much like Larry, the Dr. Pepper concession guy. Very, very true. Um, that being said, I like the idea of Georgia, who should be this good every year, being good. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought Georgia kind of – it was weird. I don't know. Like my one problem with everything in college football is they're supposed to say a lot – they say – because the NCAA basketball tournament is different. They actually take into consideration your momentum. They don't hold early season losses right. and late season losses the same way. They say, oh, well, if a team's hot and they're better. Right, look at your last 10. You yeah. know, and they play 30 yeah. games. So it's, but but yeah. in, in college football, like an early loss and a late loss are supposed to be the same. But it works out every year. If a team loses week 12 and they're 10 and 1, 11 and 1, versus a team that lost week 3. The team from week three is going to jump them, and they both have one loss. Right. One loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, but, but, I mean, it's human nature. I understand it. But it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, just because you lost or, you know, I don't know. And the argument with Alabama, their loss wasn't a bad loss. They lost on the road to a good Auburn team. Yeah, an Auburn team that won two games in a row against number one teams and then lost to one of the teams on a neutral yeah. field. They lost to Georgia. Yeah, and that, actually, we were talking about Georgia. Georgia beat everybody they had. They had one loss versus Georgia on the uh, versus Auburn on the road, and, and then they won a neutral game. Loss. Yeah, right. So they and, they and they won by a lot. So they lost by a lot on the road. The two yeah. weeks later, they came back and beat that team by a lot, quote unquote neutral. But it, the game was in Atlanta, so definitely a, a pro Georgia crowd. Yeah, but it's, it's like it's like Auburn. Happens. It's not like Auburn didn't travel to Atlanta because frankly, Auburn's actually fairly close to the Georgia state line. But one thing I was going to ask you. Really quickly was about Tennessee. Let's talk about the, the basement of the SEC. What did you make of that this week? Now, just for those of you who, who aren't up to speed, uh, the athletic director, the former athletic director who had been hired in April of this year, tried to hire Greg Schiano of the formerly of Rutgers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coaching fan, current defensive coordinator, Ohio State, excuse me. The fans didn't like that. They were they rebelled. Then they basically got the AD fired two days later. And Phil Fulmer, who, one, was fired as their football coach nine years ago, and two, didn't get the AD job this time around, is now the AD. What are your thoughts on all this, Andy? Um, a couple things. I hope Shiano collects all $12.1 million that's owed to him because he had an agreement in place. Yeah, that's fair. Two, um, it really pisses me off that – they brought up some allegation that was never proven, never really even talked about, and used that as their excuse to kind of run the guy out of town and he had something to do. Like, there were someone, Mike McQuarrie at Penn State, said that he heard from someone else that Greg Schiano knew about Jerry Sandusky. So it wasn't even first hand information, it was like second hand information. And that's what the Tennessee fans latched onto and said that he protect, protected Sandusky. It had nothing to do with that. You just didn't want the guy as your coach. Right, and then and, you used you a know. horrific thing for football purposes. And again, <laughs> if, if the guy did know about Sandusky, he would be one of many folks who covered that guy's tracks and who are terrible human beings for doing so. But to your point, no proof and way out of context and essentially what amounts to, without proof, character assassination simply because you didn't prefer that person as the hire. Yeah. Yeah, and, wow. and I just I just think if you start letting the Twitter mob, and I heard it was only a couple hundred people that showed up to protest. 
Like it's, it's not a lot it's, for a school that has thirty thousand yeah. students. And so, but if you start letting the Twitter mob run your decision making process, you're in trouble. And Philip Fulmer, dude, that guy from everything you hear, if you, he has been going to every big booster since he didn't get the job and bashing this Curry guy. Right. He hated Curry, who was the current AD, and he gets him pushed out and he gets the job. Come on, what, dude. You know, it, like when you start doing stuff like that. And it's an SEC job, and it's in a terrible spot. They may have a tough time getting well, in the right coach. And that's right. And so here's what my thought, though, is that you got you basically you're running it back like it's 1998. You got Phil Fulmer back as the AD. It sounds like the only one who's going to want to take the job is USC offensive coordinator T. Martin, who was a national championship winning uh, quarterback for them the year after Peyton Manning left. Yeah. And 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 I thought, honestly. He he's the one guy who will take it. Go ahead, Andy. And you want to know what? One, T. Martin won a national title. Two, Peyton Manning allegedly stuck some private body parts on a female trainer when he was a sophomore or junior at Tennessee, Ooh. and it was paid to cover it up. So I assume Peyton's statue is going to get taken down, and Peyton's not going to be invited back to Tennessee because he sexually harassed slash sexually assaulted somebody while he was at Tennessee. Allegedly. So, oh no, we'd rather just go on an on you know. Secondhand rumor. Well, again, it goes to show you the politics that are going on at this school. And, you know, that's great if T. Martin gets the gig because, frankly, he would add diversity to a league that, uh, you know, Kevin Sullivan happens to be African American, was just fired from AM, replaced by a middle aged white guy, Jimbo Fisher. The head coach at Vanderbilt is ha- does happen to be an African American male. But hopefully T. Martin could come back because at least it brings diversity to a conference that is full yeah. of. Old white dudes as coaches, but yeah, I, the I, way the way that it happened is crazy, and the yeah. way that Philip Fulmer is the AD is crazy. But I do hope T. Martin gets a shot at it because, frankly, no established Division One head coach is taking this job. Yeah, I, I think T. Martin is a guy who should be the head coach of Tennessee. Should or shouldn't? T, sorry, T. T. Martin should probably be the head yeah, coach sure. of Tennessee for two or three years before his first job is his first head coaching job is at the highest level of college football. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be more fair to, to him to have some under his belt. But, you know, now with Philip Fulmer, his old coach there, and with no coaches wanting to touch this thing, besides Lane Kiffin, who's using Kim Jong-un uh, memes, you know, it's been a heck of a story. It always yeah. overshadowed the whole playoff. All right, let's get on to rant number two, Andy. What do you got? It's funny they were talking about college football playoff and, thing, and, and things like that in and, and college in general. I hate the people on Twitter or Facebook who either will going into college, like, well, and I see this a lot, like, with younger cousins and stuff like that. Oh, insert college town X here has never seen a group like us coming in. <laughs> they don't know what they're in for. Or when they graduate, they're like, we did it better than anyone's ever done it in this big, giant college town. No, you've done it just like half the population has. You've gone, you partied, you did some stupid stuff, you had a great time. You didn't get arrested too many times, right. And when you're going there, yeah, they have seen you before. You're a high school senior. Maybe you shotgunned a beer at your your, your (laughs) high school graduation party. I hope you didn't go to a bachelor If you got married married when you're in high school, that's on you. You're you're a loser. Um, But it's like, yeah, they've seen you before. You're going to come in, you're going to drink beers, you're going to hook up with chicks. Go you. You know, and it's like, great. And and you see it, and, and, and you're like, no, like, there's nothing different about you. There's no, you're like, you know what, maybe if you're a Division One football player at said school. But again, to your, to your point, actually, here's the answer, though. I already have the answer. Johnny Manziel did it better than anybody. He did it so well that he actually was out of the NFL in like a year. 
Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Manziel. He's the Van Wilder. He's the one. He's the Van Wilder of big college life. He did it. And, and to add to my rant, now that you mentioned Van Wilder, the kid in college who says, oh, I'm like Van Wilder. I've been here six years. Shut up. You're not like Van Wilder. It was a movie. Yeah, more importantly, um, to go to another, you know, to a Chris Foley line or David Spade line, a lot of people spend seven years in college. Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> yes, yes. If you're an undergrad and you're in year six, don't brag. Do not brag. Yeah. <laughs> and you got quite a cold down there for the Floridian. What's going on down there? I got a cough that just won't go away. It's been around for a week or two, and I, I don't like it. I'm drinking bourbon to get rid of it. So. Well, I'll tell you what. That is a you're not a doctor, but you, you did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Unofficial sponsor of the week. Um, Andy, I like this segment. Andy, Andy's rant of the month. Let's just pencil this in for next month. Hopefully you'll have some great bah humbug experiences over Christmas. And uh, we'll go from there. But speaking of Christmas, you guys staying down south this Christmas? We are. We are. Just worked. It wasn't working out with vacation time this year. So we're staying here. Got some family coming down the day after. So I love it. Well, hey, enjoy that. We'll get you out of here on that. Anything going on in the Scruffy Like blog, or is having a child really? Yeah, this, keep... this whole child thing is really getting in the way of life. Did I see your child using chopsticks the other day on Instagram? Yes. yes how how old is your child? She's uh, 19 months. So I just um, want to point also. out that your child has accomplished more with uh, Japanese or Chinese cuisine in 19 months than most of us do in 19 years. So she's a yeah, prodigy. It's- She's a she's quite the innovator though. Like she holds the two of them and she can't get it to work. So then she just takes one and stabs the piece of food with it, like like said chopstick as a fork, and then just puts the food in her mouth. If you don't think that's how I started to eat with chopsticks when I was like you know nineteen, you're crazy. You're crazy. All right, man. We'll get you yeah. out of here on that. Uh, Merry Christmas to Andy and all. Andy, stick around for a minute. We'll catch you up, folks. Fill up some freestyle. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon. Check us out iTunes, SoundCloud. And on Twitter, hit me up, at Gavin Viano, and hit up Andy. Andy, what's your handle? At the Scruffy Life. At the Scruffy Life. All right, y'all, we'll talk to you soon.